This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon. Bob Comsick in for Libby Snymer once again. Libby will be off for the remainder of the week. Find it rather appropriate that... Uh, It's overcast, a little windy out there following the U.S. midterm elections. Well, if it was a referendum on Donald Trump's presidency, the results of those elections was a, what, big blue ripple, not a wave as Democrats had hoped. But they're obviously pleased to have regained control of the House and from the Republicans. President calling the results a tremendous success. Were they? 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. We'd like you to weigh in, but first we will go to a couple of guests on the line. We have uh, J.J. McCullough, political commentator for The Washington Post. Good afternoon, J.J. Hi, good afternoon. And U of T political science professor Nelson Wiseman. Professor, welcome. Thank you. Okay, uh, we'll start with uh, with Mr. McCullough, if we can. What's your general reaction to the results, and then we'll hear from the professor. Well, I think generally speaking, it's broadly what was anticipated. I think that the Democrats have been predicted that they were going to uh, take control of the House for quite a while now, and I think that uh, there was always a general concession, even on the part of uh, the left, that the Senate was going to be a much harder, uh, more uphill road, and it proved to be that. And I think that actually what the consequence is going to be, because not only did the Republicans hold the Senate, but they actually made gains in the Senate, and that uh, the sort of the folks that uh, you know weren't able to make a, a breakthrough in terms of Republicans were some of the more moderate figures. So I think as a result, what you're going to see is you're going to have two chambers of the U.S. legislature that are just increasingly sovereign from each other, increasingly just moving in different directions, and increasingly exist largely to appease the uh, you know, the desires of their uh, respective bases, whether or not that means sort of uh, in-depth investigations of the White House on the House side and, uh, you know, confirmations of a series of quite conservative judges and executive branch officials on the Senate side. So I I don't particularly believe in this idea that we're entering this bold new era of deal-making. I think you have two chambers going in quite different directions, quite independent from each other. Okay, we'll get into what possible consequences. We'll dig a little deeper momentarily. Uh, Professor Wiseman, what do you make of the results in general? Then we can sort of dig underneath the surface a little. Well, I agree with J.J. that the uh, results conform to what the expectations were, that the House was going to be won by the Democrats, I thought it was going to be an arrow win for them, and that's what it was. Some people thought it would be much broader. But quite frankly, I'm beginning to think it doesn't make much difference because the parties in the United States, the Republicans and Democrats, are increasingly operating and behaving like parliamentary parties, where they're they're fairly disciplined. So whereas we used to have people that could cross the aisle and make deals on various uh, issues and policy areas. They're now much more voting consistently 
And so whether you've got a majority of three or whether you have a majority of 30 doesn't seem to have mattered much. It mattered once, I guess, last year or the year before when uh, John McCain uh, voted against uh, the total repeal of Obamacare. But uh, since then, I really haven't seen much wavering uh, on the partisans of either side. Uh, JJ, you talked about, uh, in your initial reaction, you alluded to what this uh, may mean, may not mean for the Republicans and, and the president. What do you think it does mean for Trump? Is he Does he have an uncomfortable two years left in his uh, first term? And some people probably hope only term, but d- does this have the potential to be, uh, you know, choppy waters for him or not necessarily? Well, I think not necessarily, because I think that Donald Trump, what we saw in, in you know, uh, the past two years, is that he has never really sort of held himself up as a legislative president. He is not a president that seems to enjoy really working through the legislative branch when, it terms, when in terms of uh, make, bringing his agenda to uh, reality. He seems to prefer to work unilaterally through the executive branch or, you know, exclusively through the Senate. You know, the Senate, it's important to realize, has certain unilateral powers that uh, are exclusive to it in terms of confirming judges, confirming executive branch officials. And so I think from uh, from Donald Trump's perspective, that style of governance is going to continue unabated. He's going to continue to have control over the sorts of uh, folks he wants to have in his cabinet. He's going to have control over the sorts of folks he wants to have on the judicial branch. And he's going to continue to do, uh, you know, I think, unilateral executive action as he sees fit, whether that regards, you know, foreign policy, the mobilization of, uh, you know, troops, say, on the border, things like this, stuff relating to regulatory reform, uh, enforcement of regulation, enforcement of immigration law. All of that's going to continue. He won't be able to pass laws through the legislature because the Democrats will vote down anything he proposes in the House. But that was never really his approach to governance in the first place. 416-360-0740, toll free, 1-866-744-740. What do you make of the results of the U.S. midterms uh, in terms of what this will mean, could mean for Donald Trump? We have a couple of guests delving into this. Uh, U of T political science professor Nelson Wiseman, what about some of these other headline issues over the first couple of years of his presidency, meaning and namely Robert Mueller's Russia investigation, as well as the president's tax returns. Can uh, the Democrats make this an uncomfortable time for Trump? I'm sure they will. And I'm glad you brought up uh, Mueller, Bob, because I think we're now going to have possibly a slew of um, indictments that are happening that will be happening in the next couple of months or so. Because the campaign was on, there's sort of an understanding in a political convention that uh, legal bombshells ought not to be dropped after Labor Day and before the vote in November. Well, now that the vote in November is over, I think we're going to... uh, Now, this isn't to say that Mueller is going to be leaking things. Uh, His ship has been very tight. But I think we're now, uh, he's going to feel more free to issue indictments. And I think uh, as people come out of um, a a grand jury testimony, uh, they are the ones that will be sharing information with the media. So I think we're going to have some explosive uh, details there. With respect to uh, 
uh, Trump's uh, tax returns and other business dealings. To begin with, Mueller, I think, has all these things already, but he's not going to release them. But I can't really see how you can keep uh, the uh, American Congress, the House of Representatives, from not getting these things. So I think we'll have an explosion there. I noticed Trump's tweet today that, oh, they can fight back because they'll get the Senate to investigate the Democrats. Well, they can do all they want, but you can't really keep, uh, you can't hold up a subpoena by the chair of a House committee, and I think they're going to start flying. J.J. McCullough, your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think that it's worth asking sort of what is the end result of the Mueller investigation going to be? It's, it's true. It's going to be sort of embarrassing in the short term if there are indictments, if there are continued uh, prosecutions of figures close to Trump, as we've already seen uh, with Paul Manafort and, and figures of that sort. But the end game, you know, the fantasy on on the part of the Democrats, on the part of the broader left, was that this was eventually going to result in a damning report that would be brought to Congress and Congress would impeach him, uh, impeach the president. And, you know, there was a narrow window of opportunity in which that might have been a plausible scenario if Trump had continued to be a deeply unpopular man among his own party, and that if this had then resulted in a sort of a, a large landslide victory in both chambers of Congress, including the Senate. That obviously has not happened, but not only has that not happened, not only have the Republicans held control of the Senate, in which would be necessary if Trump was actually to be formally uh, removed from office, they would have to vote in both chambers, is that a lot of the senators that now occupy the uh, the chamber are senators that are loyal to Trump that contribute that have been elected under the Trump banner they are part of an identifiably trumpified republican party the sort of moderate republicans you know such as John McCain who liked to uh, make a big show about how they were very transactional in their relationship with the president and very open minded to his critics and this sort of thing those people are essentially gone so i think that uh, something that democrats really have to reckon with now is that the idea of a first-term Trump impeachment, Trump removal, it's just not going to happen. And so I think that our expectations and understanding of the Mueller investigation have to be moderated accordingly. Uh, Professor Wiseman, do you agree that impeachment is totally impossible here, or is that door slightly still ajar, or it, or, or it could be opened? Oh, I, I think it can be opened, but I actually don't think it's in the Democrats' interest to impeach the president. I mean, if the president gets impeached, they're going to get Mike Pence as the president of the United States, who in many respects is uh, less attractive to Democrats than Trump, because Trump is a continuing target that they can use. Moreover, we're now entering the last two years of Trump's presidency, uh, and uh, experience shows that, uh, that uh, popularity of an incumbent president generally declines for a while. So, I, 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 you know, the, the Democrats were never, the only people that talked about impeaching the president were what uh, their Senate candidate in Missouri called was the crazy Democrats. The House leadership and the Senate leadership of the Democratic Party never called for impeachment. We just don't have that kind of uh, information yet. The other issue is, even if the Democrats had won the Senate, to impeach a president successfully, to convict him in the Senate, you need two-thirds of the Senate. Well, there was no way either party could ever win two-thirds of the Senate. And let's remember, Bill Clinton was impeached. What happened? Nothing happened. The Senate didn't convict him. 
and his popularity increased, and he uh, and he won the subsequent election. I don't anticipate that this time, uh, because there are a lot of. Uh, l- let me just focus on something else, and I'll tell you why. Uh, in um, in 2020, we're going to have the census of the United States. The following year. Uh, as the state legislatures will be redistricting the districts, redistribution of of what we call the constituencies here. Now, uh, because some uh, uh, Democrats won governorships, they're not going to sign off on bills which are obviously gerrymandered to support the uh, the Republicans, and that's the situation now. Uh, so. And that's one of the reasons the Democrats picked up seats in places like Pennsylvania, because their redistricting was ordered by the courts. It hasn't been in other states, but we might be coming to that. And if we get a more neutral um, uh, electoral map in the states, as we have in Canada, as we have in Canada, where it is neutrally determined, uh, that will brighten the uh, Democrats' prospects. Okay, let's go to Dennis from Brampton, who'd like to chime in here. It's your, it's your quarter. Go ahead, Dennis. Thanks for taking my call, Bob. You're welcome. And uh, I heard reference to this being a split decision. Uh, I, I hardly see it that way, given that Trump, in terms of his policies and whatever he was wanting to put through in terms of legislation, has now been effectively stymied. And further, it's the House now that has the ability under the law to request his tax returns and to now put it, launch an investigation into his business dealings and the obvious conflicts of interest that have been in play in the last two years. JJ, so I'll just leave it at that and listen to uh, your guest. Okay, thanks, Dennis in Brampton. Appreciate it. Uh, JJ McCullough? Well, as I said before, I I don't think that Trump's preferred style of governance has ever been really to work through the legislature. I think that, you know, there was the basically two marquee legislative proposals that he had, you know, which was the the tax reform uh, bill, which he did pass successfully, and the repeal of Obamacare, which did not pass successfully. And once those two initiatives were sort of worked through, I think what you saw from this White House was a sort of just marked lack of interest in working with the legislature one way or another. It's not like uh, Donald Trump had a huge pile of bills he was just cracking at uh, to get passed. No, that was not the case at all. When you look at how he has chosen to move forward on some of the other marquee aspects of his agenda, it has been through the executive branch unilaterally. You know, when it comes to enforcing laws already on the books through the Justice Department, through the Homeland Security Department, as it relates to, you know, illegal immigration or legal immigration, as we saw the other week when he was talking about sort of unilaterally through the executive branch, redefining uh, what the 14th Amendment means in regards to uh, birthright citizenship. So I think that it is kind of overstating things to say that the, the president has sort of been hit a, uh, a big body blow in terms of losing control over half of the legislature, just because, like I said, it, he never really had a style of governance that seemed overly concerned with passing you know, passing legislation as opposed to enforcing laws already on the books or perhaps, you know, coming up with new novel interpretations of of regulations through the regulatory bodies, which he controls by being head of the executive. Nelson Wiseman, U of T, political science professor. What do the results mean for Canada? Well, that's a good question. Um, There's a lot of uh, anxiety about what will happen with NAFTA number two. 
And uh, the attitude among most people that I've read, experts, others, is that they're anxious that it get passed because then we'll know where we're at. I actually think this is now uh, a lot more up in the air, and and it may and and actually an outcome, although this might be unlikely, that is perhaps best is if NAFTA number two doesn't get passed. At the end of this month, uh, you know we've had an agreement, but nothing's been signed, and certainly nothing's been ratified, and it's not going to happen until next year, at the earliest. And we know that the Democrats. Are, um, are protectionists compared to the Republicans. Having said all of that, they may want to, the Democrats, want to frustrate uh, Trump getting this through and thus uh, not pass it, uh, NAFTA, in the House, and thus nothing, nothing will happen. Of course, the danger is that Trump will go back to uh, his first ploy, which is to impose... Um, uh, prohibitive duties, 25%, on autos and auto parts coming from Canada. Um, but uh, there are a lot of moving parts to this whole story around NAFTA and Canada's relationship to the United States. Remember, part of NAFTA is also Mexico and the incoming uh, a, a trade minister for Mexico uh, has said that unless aluminum and steel tariffs are lifted, uh, they may not sign on at the end of this month, although she's not going to become the trade minister till January, so it'll really be up to the outgoing Mexican administration. I think uh, Canada and Mexico ought to stand together here and actually potentially hold up uh, the agreement because the current agreement would serve them better, I think, than the, the new agreement. Fine. And I, wanted, I also thought that Dennis made some very insightful comments quickly and, and then we're going to get uh, uh thoughts about canada and possible uh effects on canada from jj mccullough but you can finish your thought there sorry well go ahead. just to reinforce dennis's point about gridlock this is precisely what the uh, founding fathers in the united states designed their constitution to accomplish so that there'd be these checks and balances and it looks like that's going to happen and there are limits to executive action. We saw what the courts did uh, to Trump's policies on immigration, and uh, he can whistle in the wind all he wants about limiting uh, birthright citizenship. That's not going to happen. J.J. McCullough, just quickly, if we can, then, what uh, the results mean for Canada? Well, I think that one thing that I'm interested in is how this affects the politics of the Conservative Party of, of our country. Uh, because I think that there has been this kind of conventional wisdom that has sort of taken hold in this country, that, you know, President Trump is a failure and that, you know, the Republican Party is kind of on its last legs or is, you know, in some state of disarray and this kind of thing. But I think what you've seen is actually the Republican Party is a remarkably resilient party. It's perhaps one of the strongest center-right parties in the entire Western world. And it's not for nothing that they've achieved that status. And so I think that... Uh, you know, Andrew Scheer has chosen to run in a very sort of centrist, very sort of cautious, very pragmatic way that's very geared towards, you know, winning, making inroads in, in sort of the, you know, fashionable places in the urban centers and large suburban areas and this kind of thing. But I think that the Republican Party in the United States has shown that there is a, an alternate path that is quite successful, that there is nothing particularly that is 
you know, overly lost when you do run in a little bit more of a harder-edged kind of way, at least on some of these cultural issues. You know, the, the rural-urban divide in America is much starker than it is in Canada, but that's in part because conservatives have not been as aggressive in courting rural areas as the Republican Party has been in the U.S. So I think that, uh, you know, conservative uh, strategists in, in this country should take a look at uh, how the Republican Party has been as successful as they are and maybe get a little bit off of our traditional Canadian high horse and try to see if there are perhaps some lessons that might be applicable to uh, a Canadian context. Political commentator for The Washington Post, J.J. McCullough, thank you. Thank you. And U of T political sciences professor Nelson Wiseman, thank you as well, sir. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.